The day God took you home. A million times I've needed you. A million times I've cried. If love alone could have saved you, you never would have died. In life, I loved you dearly. In death, I love you still. In my heart, you hold a space where no one can ever fill. It broke my heart to lose you but you didn't go alone. Part of me went with you the day God took you home. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Coffee, Tea, and Crime. This is Dana, and in today's episode, JR and I will be taking a trip to the West Coast city of Los Angeles to follow the case of the serial killer who operated from the 1980s into the 2000s. This is the story of grim death, the sleeper murders of Los Angeles. The 1980s in Los Angeles was a time of white powder and serial killers. Cocaine had literally exploded in LA as the murder and overall violent crime rate skyrocketed with the fight to control and distribute the Colombian export derived from a leaf, not a bean. The 80s on the left coast, specifically in the area around LA, also saw the meteoric rise of serial killers with loners like Richard, the Night Stopper Ramirez, competing for the top body count with a couple by the names of Douglas Clark and Carol Bundy, or better known by their moniker, the Sunset Strip Killers. And who could forget the scorecard killer, Randy Kraft, or John Thomas Jr., the West Side Rapist, who not only raped elderly ladies, but felt the need to kill them as well. And finally, William Suff, or you may know him as the Riverside Prostitute Killer. Police were dodging bullets from the drug war, chasing serial killers who were literally bumping into each other while they plied their trade, and catching hell from the public and politicians for not cleaning up the streets. The aforementioned party's only contribution to the cause was limited to hindsight and hand-wringing. There was another killer that began his bloody work in the 80s in the City of Angels. Or maybe it would be more accurate to say his fiendish activities began in the United States in the 1980s. There are whispers of dead women in Germany when he was with the Army in the 70s. He and Mark Allen Smith, who we covered in our previous episode, had a lot in common. Both killed in Germany while wearing the uniform of the United States military, and both returned to civilian life to continue their bloodletting. It was August 10, 1985, and the body of 29-year-old Deborah Jackson was found in an alley beside 1017 West Gage, just a few steps from the intersection with Vermont. She had been shot three times in the head with what would later be determined to be a 25 caliber pistol. It was a bloody scene, but not out of the ordinary for a city that would see almost 800 people murdered before the year was out. Deborah had been a cocktail waitress and had last been seen leaving a friend's house in Linwood to catch a bus back to her apartment in South Central. It should be noted that some reports said she was shot three times in the chest rather than in the head. A year and two days after Deborah was murdered, August 12, 1986, 35-year-old Henrietta Wright was found in the rear of 2514 Vernon Avenue. She too was in an alley, 
only 3.1 miles from the West Gage address, shot twice in the chest or three times in the head, depending on which report you heard, a mattress lying across her body. Henrietta was found barefoot and wrapped in a blanket. Police said her mouth had been gagged with a cloth. No alarm bells went off as investigators missed the killer's M.O. of 25 caliber bullets, body dumped in an alley, both bodies in the same general area. Police had no suspects but knew Henrietta had been killed elsewhere and dumped in the alley. The next victim might be considered the red herring of the story. On August 14, 1986, Thomas Steele was found shot to death at the intersection of 71st and Haldale. It was just two days after Henrietta had been murdered. Nothing in Thomas's death fit the M.O. other than the area of the murder. There is nothing concrete to connect his murder to the others. Reports say police think he might have been killed to silence him, with the theory being Thomas was on to the killer. There doesn't seem to be any forensics to tie him in or nothing the police have mentioned, but being of suspicious minds, we believe there is a connection. So there you go. It seemed the killer could no longer wait a full year before executing a young woman. Barbara Ware, 23, was found dead at 1356 East 56th Street in the alley on January 10, 1987. A 911 call had been made 30 minutes after the body was dumped. An anonymous male tipster called in. He had calmly described watching a man pull a woman's body out of a blue and white van and hide it under trash and a discarded gas tank in an alley in the 1300 block of East 56th Street in South LA. He clearly stated the license plate number as 1PZP746. Detectives located the van approximately 4.5 miles from the body at 6075 South Normandy Avenue. The location and registered owner of the van was the Cosmopolitan Church. The hood of the van was still warm to the touch and people inside the church said that they had used the van earlier in the evening. Several church members were interviewed and the van was processed for evidence for some connection to the crime and or Barbara Ware. No evidence was ever recovered. There has got to be something to this. There is just too much information here for there not to be something of value for us. Detective Dennis Kilcoyne told the Times, We're hoping somebody out there will be able to help us make the connection between this body, the van, and the caller. Nice thought, but the detective was wrong. The case grew cold, and no one had picked up on the fact a serial killer was stalking South Central L.A. Three months later, on April 15, 1987, 26-year-old Bernita Sparks told her mother she needed to go to the store for cigarettes, but never returned. She was found the next day at 9414 Southwestern in an alley in a trash bin covered in garbage. She had been beaten, strangled, and shot in the chest. Late on Halloween night in 1987, 26-year-old Mary Lowe told her mother she was going to a party. It was the last time she was seen alive. Her body was found the next day in an alley at 8927 South Hobart. She had been shot once in the chest. The body of 22-year-old Lashrika Jefferson was found January 30, 1988 at 2049 West 102nd Street. 
Like the other victims, she had been shot in the chest and left in an alley. A napkin with the word AIDS was draped across her face. On September 11, 1988, Alicia Monique Alexander asked her father whether he needed anything from the liquor store before leaving the house. The body of the 18-year-old was found days later in an alley, nude and covered by a mattress. Police said she had been sexually assaulted and shot in the chest. The killer was now in a frenzy of activity. On November 20, 1988, Anitra Washington accepted a ride from a male black in his 30s driving an orange Ford Pinto. Then, she said, everything went, quote, eerily quiet, end quote, and she realized she had been shot in the chest. Washington said she began to struggle with the man and begged him to let her go, but he refused. Quote, I kept wanting to know why he shot me, she said. She said, you need to take me to the hospital. He said he couldn't do that, end quote. Washington began to fade in and out of consciousness and awoke to him sexually assaulting her. She said she blacked out again, but woke up to the flash of a Polaroid camera. After the attack, Washington said he started the Pinto and then pushed her out. She then picked herself up off the street and stumbled many blocks to the house of a friend who called an ambulance. Washington's description enabled police to put out a composite drawing of the suspect. It seemed amazing that the description, coupled with the suspect's orange pinto, didn't lead back to the killer. Or did it, and no one bothered to follow. Officially, the killer didn't strike again for 13 years. Then, 13 years and one month later, Princess Berthemue disappeared on December 21, 2001. No clues into the 15-year-old's whereabouts came until March 19, 2002, when her body was found in an alley at 8121 Van Ness. She was strangled and beaten. DNA on her body matched DNA left on the bodies of the other victims, signaling to police that the killer's hiatus was over. He was back in the hunt. Some say it had never stopped. The body of 35-year-old Valerie McCorvey was found on Dinker between 108th and 109th Streets on July 11, 2003. Police said she had been sexually assaulted and strangled. They initially suspected her boyfriend until DNA on her body was found to match DNA of earlier sleeper victims. A homeless man found the body of 25-year-old Janicia Peters on January 1, 2007 in the alley at 9508 Southwestern. She had been shot in the back and placed in a garbage bag. LAPD had DNA from the suspect in multiple murders, so they knew they had their guy if they could match it up with the name. The sleeper's DNA was submitted and compared in the, F in the FBI's CODIS, Combined DNA Indexing System, but achieved no hit. Police then did a familial DNA search looking for a relative in the system and got a partial on a man named Christopher Franklin. They checked into the background of Christopher and found that his father was the right age, lived in the target area, and had owned an orange pinto in the 1980s. LAPD conducted surveillance on the father, Lonnie Franklin Jr., for some time, waiting for him to discard something that would have his DNA on it. After discovering he was going to attend a birthday party at a pizzeria, an undercover officer posing as a busboy grabbed up Franklin's plate with partially eaten pizza on it. The pizza was submitted, DNA obtained and compared to the specimens belonging to the sleeper suspect, and a match was obtained. 
In July 2010, Franklin was arrested and eventually charged with 10 counts of murder, one count of attempted murder, and special circumstance allegations of multiple murders. The lead-up to the trial took longer than the trial itself, which took three months. By California standards, that was just a blink of the eyes. Franklin was found guilty on all counts and sentenced to death by the jury. On March 28, 2020, Franklin died on San Quentin Prison's death row of natural causes. Well, as J.R. loves to quote from one of his favorite movies, Wrong Guy, Victor Set Us Up. And that'll do it for another episode of Coffee, Tea, and Crime.